0: CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. The Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Cooper alongside Michael Garrell, and it's officially the CFL offseason has begun as of about 9 p.m. Central time last night when the Toronto Argonauts defeated the Calgary Stampeders in the 105th Grey Cup to take home the CFL Championship. We're going to talk all about that, all about the game, um, what went wrong for Calgary, what went right for Toronto, the future of Ricky Ray, is he done after this? So to talk about all of that, let's bring in the other half of the dynamic duo, Michael Gerald. Good evening, Mike. Good evening, Ryan. How are you doing?
1: I'm still trying to come down a little
0: bit uh, from that football game last night. Where do you stand on that game as a whole, entertainment-wise? Was it one of the better ones you've seen? You know what? It, and we,
1: we, can, uh, we can talk about this uh, all we want, but that was one of the more Canadian grade tops I've ever seen. What do you
0: mean by that?
1: You know, just the snow falling, you know, before the game and during the first half and during the second half. Uh, Shania Twain coming out on a, on a dog sled.
0: <laughs>
1: like, and then the
0: game itself totally fit the Canadian Football League. What I want to know is, what was the plan if there was no snow for the dog sled? Because the uh, snow didn't fall until an hour before game time. I, I don't know what that plan was. heard maybe there were wheels or uh, they took them off when the snow was out there, but entertaining halftime show I would say to one of the better ones we've had in recent history but that's not exactly what we're here to talk about we're here to talk about the football game itself and to me the first after the first half I was kind of saying with the people I was watching with you know yes to an extent I you know I, I love the snow games it's so Canadian it, it defines us right like you were saying but, at the same time, we didn't have that entertaining of a first half for the majority of the first half a couple plays aside, and I think the snow was causing a lot of that,
1: yeah, but again, it's elements that both teams have to deal with um they knew the snow was potentially in the forecast all week. I remember you know hearing on Wednesday, Thursday that snow might have been an issue or. I don't think anybody anticipated the the amount of snow that ended up falling coming. But I'll tell you what. I mean, does this one make it very Canadian or does this two make a taste for the game to be moved up three weeks?
0: Well, I think that's a debate going on right now, right? There's some people that love it. It's tradition and it should continue that way. And there's some people... And I totally understand the reasoning behind it because you and I went to that Grey Cup here in Winnipeg in 2015 and froze our butts off outside. Some people saying, I don't want to go sit out there late November and watch the Grey Cup. Why can't we move it back earlier? Start the season earlier is the argument out there. Have the Grey Cup in early November. Yes, it's still going to be cold, but.
1: I, I, I heard they're actually looking at Halloween weekend. Oh, boy. So basically in the last last uh, weekend in October.
0: Yeah, so where do you stand on that, Mike, in terms of moving back? Uh, do you think the season should move back, or do you like having the Great Cup end in November?
1: I don't know. It's one of those things where, you know, if you start the CFL season any earlier, particularly the preseason, I think you run into the to the back half of the Stanley Cup playoffs here in Canada. Right. You know, because you're looking at, let's say you move the season back three weeks. You're talking about the preseason being moved back three weeks. And you're looking at about June 5th or 6th-ish to the start of the preseason.
0: Yeah, well, the talk right now... uh... That's uh, So it might be end up being moved back even earlier yet, but the talk right now is because they're moving to the 21-week schedule next year where every team gets three buys in it, um, we're looking at probably starting a week earlier in the season, which means uh, Father's Day weekend most likely will be the start to the CFL season next year. And then the preseason, everything gets bumped even more. Right. You know what? I, I, I Honestly, like
1: I don't see a reason why we can't have camps starting anytime after the may weekend. Right. Because does anyone really pay attention to the Stanley Cup playoffs? Obviously, if CFL damn damage rapid if the Canadian team
0: is in it. Or I should say not in it. I think there are plenty of people. You, you know.
1: But given you, today's day and age, we can watch hockey games on smartphones and on demand and you know, you're really looking at one possible date, right? Right. I mean, it's not like you're in the, in the NHL or basketball where you're having home games, you know, for a week straight basically every third day, right?
0: Yeah, that's a good point uh, that you make there. Uh, moving into talking about the actual Grey Cup game itself, what a way to end off the season. Like I was saying, I thought it was a bit of a lackluster first half due to the... Uh, I think the weather played a big factor in that, but we got a great second half and a heck of a finish to this game. And I think it was probably the best way you could sum up the 2017 CFL season. We we had a little bit of
1: everything. And, you know, high hindsight being 2020, I don't think it wouldn't have, would not have mattered. But there was a play in the first half where the launch snapper tried to snap the punt to Rob Naver. And it went over his head.
0: And they were forced to take the safety on that play. You know, you brought this up to me, that safety. And you said halfway through the game that that could be a costly two points. And I said, uh, you know, I made the argument, okay, well, if he doesn't kick it out of the back of the end zone, Toronto's taking over the ball at like their five-yard line. They're punching it in for seven points or something of that uh, nature. But... That bad snap, in the end, you know, it actually ended up being a pretty crucial, unfortunate blunder for the Calgary Stampeders, because they lose the game by three points, 27-24 the final score. Bully by Mitchell goes and tries to force it into the end zone late in the game there, and granted, I still think that was a a good call by Dave Dickinson, or Bowie by Mitchell, whoever made the call to go to the end zone there, I liked it, but... If they don't give up that safety, they're down by one point. Kicking the field goal is looking a lot better at that point in the game, is it not? You run down the clock, you kick the field goal, and you get in the end of, or you kick the field goal, and you end up winning by two points.
1: Again, it's a would have, could have, should have situation, Ryan. Because then I can guarantee you, Toronto, when they don't take the lead, uh, 24,
0: 27
1: 24, mm-hmm. I think. Under that sort of set, I think Toronto played that whole drive entirely different.
0: That's a good point. That's a very good point. You know, you're playing the game as it is the situation in the game. kind of dictates how you play the game. This was really an extraordinary game here. And really, the Toronto Argonauts, congratulations on the Grey Cup victory because, you know, they proved us completely wrong. This year, coming into the year, we said all sorts of negative things about the Argos. We didn't give them a chance coming to the year. We had them finishing last. We were, you know, very concerned about the fact that they let a bunch of their receivers go last year. Everyone in Winnipeg is still laughing about the Drew Willie for TJ Heath and everything that came with it, trade, that uh, they're all laughing all the way to the bank. Toronto doesn't have a general manager at all throughout free agency. So many question marks. Will Ricky Ray, can he even stay healthy all year? Never mind, play at a high level. So many questions coming into the year, and nobody, very few of us gave Toronto a chance. We certainly didn't. And now they're Grey Cup champions. So congratulations on proving us wrong, and I think it just shows how unpredictable the CFL can be.
1: If I can play devil's advocate? Yeah. Yeah. Graduation to Toronto, but there seems to be not to zero
0: excitement there, and maybe this generates the excitement in Toronto. I mean, there. I, I'm going to counteract what you said there because there is excitement in Toronto. They may not get a lot of people in the stands, and you know there is always the argument that not a lot of people in Toronto actually care about football. When you've got the Leafs and the Blue Jays and the Raptors there, and the Toronto FC as well.
1: Toronto seed going for a 7th Street MOS final berth uh, Wednesday night.
0: Right. But the people that show up to Argos games, that's one of the loudest stadiums, I would say, in the CFL. Noise to attendance ratio. Right. There's clearly people in Toronto that are passionate about football. They clearly deserve to be excited about this Grey Cup championship. That their team has just won. And we'll see. It Did it end up helping, you know, drive more people to the stands when they won in 2012? Not really. But now this is the second time in, what, five years? Second time in six years the Toronto Argonauts have gone and won a Grey Cup. Maybe that has an impact. Maybe people start taking a bit of notice. I don't know. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, nothing but congratulations to the Argos for what they accomplished this year.
1: You know, something interesting, too, is... uh... To just, you know, to, to to stick with the fact of this. Had the demographic of the Canadian football league as far as attendance expectations changed?
0: What do you mean by that?
1: And maybe we're over, over-evaluating overvaluing is an acceptable amount for people to attend a football game?
0: Well, I think stadium sizes play into that, right? Is, you have some of these massively large stadiums that are just too large for a realistic crowd. You look at the crowd here in Winnipeg, based on the production of the team for a long period of time and other, you know, circumstances where the stadium was built, a lot of people didn't like the whole traffic plan because that first preseason game at Investor Group Field was an absolute traffic nightmare uh, and turned people off from coming to the stadium. So I, I, I think some of these stadiums, you could argue, are built just too big, and then it looks bad when you're not filling the seats.
1: Well, here's the thing. BMO field fits 26,000 comfortably. You've ever seen that atmosphere during a soccer game? It is unlike anything I've ever seen in Canada.
0: Or how about then they hosted the playoff game against the Riders the week before? Right.
1: Right. So, but basically, what I'm saying is, is the new norm 20 000 to 24,000 in places that aren't, you know, Saskatchewan, that aren't Calgary, that aren't Edmonton?
0: It could be. We live in the day and age of television, well, not to say television and CFL on television wasn't around previously, but we live in the day and age of more digital coverage of the CFL than ever before. And so, whereas, you know, previously when you couldn't get that, you probably had a lot more people. Their only chance to go and watch a football game would be to go and buy the tickets and sit in the stands. Now you look at games in November and stuff like that, and you you have people going and saying, why would I go sit out there in the cold when I can sit on my couch at home, eat a pizza, drink some beer, and watch football without having to pay the ridiculous prices?
1: You know, it's very it's interesting you say that too. And remember, back and I don't, I I'm not sure if you will remember this at all. You know, we we were both in that day and age of being too, being too young to remember you know circumstances, but I I can remember times when I was a kid, and we're talking. Elementary school to early junior high, where CFL games in CFL stadiums were blacked out.
0: Right, I remember that.
1: And you didn't get to see a game within, I think it was a 75 kilometer radius of the stadium, unless they sold out. And now I think people have gotten to the point where, ah, there's no blackout, I didn't watch it you know, on satellite TV, on a different, you know, regional channel, not necessarily here on TSN3, but I can watch it, you know, on a Vancouver channel, kind of time-shifted, you know, dead around the blackout. Have we come to the point where technology and the way we consume sports as, like, a fan base, have we kind of been spoiled?
0: Oh, it, it's, it's... So
1: much so that it it's given to us. But we don't even have to attend these events in person to, to, to get the same enjoyment.
0: Well, I think the entire dynamics of how sports are taken in are, has changed. You know, just the entire digital content. You look at Twitter. That's sometimes, you know, a great part of watching a CFL game is the ability to interact with all of these different people out there that share the same love of the game or watching the same thing as you do, you know. Depends what circle you live in. Maybe not too many people you know personally that go and right. that go and you know you can share the enjoyment of. Oh, did you see that? Right. Well, right.
1: And, and it was like I don't know if you were on Twitter at all last night during the day. I know I know you sent a couple of tweets uh, from a, from a show's account, um, but I was just thinking like my personal account like not I don't follow. A lot of CFL, you know, people like I follow the Winnipeg CFL people that get bomber updates and all that kind of stuff. Right. But what I was seeing yesterday was every second or third tweet had something great top. And it wasn't just like people in Winnipeg. It wasn't just people in Canada. There were people in the States that were watching on ESPN, two. Going, what is with this, right? It was snowing, and that was when they had the snowstorm. And then Shania Twain coming out on the on the, on the on the Dodge on the Dodge sled, and they did, couldn't get over, but they played the game in a minute snowstorm. I'll tell you what, that's going to drive engagement <laughs> entirely different yesterday than saying Andre top ten years ago. Where I can't even remember, and I watched the 2002 Grey Cup. That was the first one that I vividly remember. I can't remember engagement after the 2002, you know, Grey Cup. They didn't even stream the games. I remember CBC had the rights to that game up until I think it was 2007. I want to say whenever, or 2008. I'm not even sure. You know, when TSN took the full package. This, the online streaming of games such as the Grey Cup didn't really take off until
0: between 2005 and 2010 to today. Right. Yeah. I th- I, back to what I said, the entire landscape of how we take in sports has changed to be more of a digital variety. And I think that's why you see the, you know, the stands being a little different. Than we did, and attendance records being different like, than we did all
1: along. But like if I could just tie this to the Jets game for a minute, like I'm a broadcaster, you know, on my FM, and I broadcast lots of sports. So five to seven years ago, I wouldn't have been able to watch, you know, a Jets game had the Jets been in the NHL on my iPad in the broadcast booth. Whereas I was in the broadcast booth on the weekend on Saturday night, and I taught the beginning. Of the Jets game in San Jose on my iPad in the broadcast pool. Yeah, and I did that for a lot of CFL games in the fall too, especially when the Bombers played. The way we consume sports is so much different, and I think that has a lot to do with it as well.
0: And 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 props to the CFL for its increased recognizing that yep. you know the world has gone more digital. Um, the CFL has done a tremendous job of embracing that. Absolutely. You had, you had the uh, mobile game, the CFL frenzy that came out. I believe that's what it was called earlier this year. Yeah, they to... released some numbers, Ryan.
1: I I can't find them right now on digital content. Um, you know, downloads for the mobile game, downloads on the CFL page, visits to the CFL website, that kind of thing. I'm trying to find that article here as we speak, but it, I, I remember I was
0: my, my jaw literally hit the floor when I saw these numbers. Well, and talk about as well the digital content produced. I think we've seen more content from the like you said the CFL website than ever before. You have the Twitter show every single every single week live yep. on the CFL account. CFL this week. Brody Lawson, Max Rosenberg, Davis Sanchez did an outstanding job, especially Grey Cup week. My oh my, did they put out a lot of coverage for Grey Cup week, and that was incredible. It was awesome.
1: And they did too for the playoffs. I know they had a crew in Winnipeg for the West semifinal, East semifinal, East East final, West final. So, tell you what, the CFL has done a fantastic job of, of marketing the game to a younger demographic because I think they realize the importance of being able to attract that younger demographic and having to, you're not going to keep a younger demographic and I'm talking the demographic that's a little bit younger than we are, Ryan. You have to keep them engaged with the trends that are suiting for them.
0: Yeah, and a couple things while we kind of wrap up this talk on the social media effect with the CFL, um shout out to ottawa for from what now we weren't able to be there but obviously a lot of people in the cfl community twitter community were there uh taking in the gray cup festivities from what i can see ottawa did a tremendous job of hosting this year's gray cup So shout out to the city of ottawa for really putting on a great show for everyone who was able to attend
1: yeah, you know what, I, I did, and I had a chance to talk to somebody that had went that went down there for the week, and they said it was one of the better great cups uh, geographically, as far as everything being centrally located, like fan fest and all the fan parties and all the tailgate and all that kind of stuff. He said the vast majority of, of everything was within a two to three kilometer radius of the stadium. Yeah. So you're not really going all over the place to attend different things. You could hit up multiple things on a night. And this, there was always something to
0: do every single night. Right. And before we move on, and we're going to finally get into the Grey Cup game itself here, yep. uh, I wanted to, I want to bring this up because I know I'm going to forget to mention it. I really want to yet. Talk about all the social media initiatives and everything. Talk about all the CFL's initiatives. The Grey Cup fit-up has officially, officially come to an end. Yesterday was day 100. I started a couple days late, so I still have to go until Thursday night, and I intend to do so, Um, but Grey Cup fit up day 100, 100 straight days of at least 30 minutes of exercise. So many people took part in it. So many people went the uh, whole 100 days. Brody Lawson of the CFL was absolutely incredible in encouraging everyone along the way and taking part in it herself. Especially Grey Cup week, I mean, with how busy everything was. That everyone managed to get this done. I loved to see it. It was so much fun to take part in. And congratulations to everyone who made it through the whole challenge and all the progress achieved along the way.
1: Okay, so now Edmonton. What what are you going to do to try to top that? The Grey Cup
0: this year? Yeah, the bar has been set really high. Yeah? And we'll see. The people in Edmonton know how to put on a pretty good show, and I think we're gonna get. I think we're gonna get that next year when the Grey Cup goes to Edmonton, and a new Grey Cup champion will be thrown at that point. Uh, but for now, the Toronto Argonauts are the kings of the CFL. Uh, after they take down the Calgary Stampeders here, Mike, this I I this might be controversial of me to say which always makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. Full credit to the Toronto Argonauts for being the Grey Cup champions, but I would go and say the Toronto Argonauts did not win this game. The Calgary Stampeders lost this game. Oh, boy.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. And I say that, well, two Toronto's, like, it, you know, it's a couple, kind of a two-way street here, right? Toronto went and executed the plays they needed to to win the game, and they did that, and that's why they end out on top, and that's why I prefaced that by saying, you know, full credit to them because they earned it, but Calgary played about, and, and in particular, Bo Levi Mitchell played about as perfect of a Grey Cup game as they could for all but four plays.
1: Yeah, there's the old adage, the old five or six plays to find play a football game.
0: And I'm talking about the DeVere Posey 100-yard touchdown catch from Ricky Ray in the first half. The, Toronto had 123 yards of offense in the first half, and 100 of them came on one play. Yeah. So, you know, like Calgary played about as perfect of a first half, at least, as they could, besides that one play. And it's really incredible that touchdown by DeVere Posey, 100-yard touchdown against Tommy Campbell, who didn't give up a single touchdown the entire season long.
1: Yeah, Ryan, I'm just looking over my shoulder here. I have uh, TV on mute. I'm watching a specific channel, and they're showing the Matt Blatt interception on Bo by mitchell which sealed the game. I have no idea what Bo was thinking now.
0: In terms of going to the end zone, or? In terms of
1: number one, one of the end zone, in terms of throwing into blatant, blatant double coverage. I, I just like it, it's just astounding to me. There's block, and then there's one other guy on the corner. There, there's two guys kind of in the area waiting for the football. The one guy, I, I don't know who this other guy was, so. Pardon me for those that are listening. Um, this other dive that helps Black does a terrific job of sealing off the Calgary receiver. Not interfering with them, but basically taking them away from the play so that Matt Black can walk in and just intercept this football.
0: Now, I'll, I'll ask you this. Like you said, bad decision to go to the end zone bad decision to throw into double coverage. I agree with you on one of those. Bad throw should never have thrown it into the double coverage there, but it wasn't the wrong decision to go to the end zone, Mike. Was it really?
1: Well, it depends. I mean, Dave Dittleton had the line after, and I'm paraphrasing. Is it a guarantee that we win in overtime? One would argue know it's not. The other is use conventional common sense. You're in field goal range. I, I beg the question. Calgary's yes. a team that's built to take risks. They took a wrist and
0: got burnt. So this does was on... Does Calgary know any other way? That's the question. Well, this interception was thrown... I believe it was on first down, correct? First Set. or second down? Second and four. Right. And there was still a, a, enough time left on the clock. That the decision. I like the decision because they were in field goal range at this point. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So I like the decision to go for the end zone, go for the win. If you don't get that, then you kick the field goal and you go to overtime, right? It was just yeah. a badly, poorly executed play. Should have no, never I, been I, I, thrown.
1: I understand the lineup of painting, and I was watching the game with with my family yesterday. I, I turned to my dad and I said. Well, he's probably gonna go to the end zone to see if he can draw the pi. Let's see what happens. Right. Right. To we won a game like that earlier this year, but for Toronto to stay disciplined and not draw the pi penalty
0: is a credit in itself, given the situation. Oh, I was fully expecting to see the game end on a pi down to the one yard line, and then someone punches it in. I was expecting that. I called. Oh, it yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it's. it's the oldest play in the playbook almost at this point in the but, CFL. Besides when, you know, the Bombers hand the ball off and let Dan Lefevre run for it whenever he's in. But that's... But here's another thing I don't understand real
1: quick. You are one of the best running backs in all of Canadian football. One of the strongest. You can't tell me that he can't get that to the end zone by himself given the amount of time that you have left.
0: No, oh, there wasn't that much time left. They still had a decent ways to go there, Mike. I don't oh, think you I know. would. I know. I'm saying play for the first down and then maybe kick the field goal, right? Right, right. So. I don't, yeah. I guess we kind of agree on that to, the, to an extent, right? Don't disa- right. We don't disagree with the decision um, by the coach no. uh, to go and, you know, strike for the end zone. But we, it was just unfortunately executed play by Calgary. And honestly, may have been bullied by Mitchell's first mistake of the entire night. Honestly, the, the play that I really have a problem with is the fumble return. Now you're talking about Kamar Jordan fumbles the ball at the 8-yard line or yep. the 7-yard line of Toronto. Yep. Cassius Vaughn returns at 108 yards to the end zone. And all of a sudden, we have a tie football game here with... Yep. Four minutes and 35 seconds left. That was unbelievable. Like, I cannot I believe real, I saw like, that.
1: You think Kamar Jordan would know better than to catch the ball, protect the ball? He knows he's going into traffic. Toronto did exactly what every coach is trying to do. Let him, is trying to have their team do. And that's let him make the catch and then play for the strip. Right. So, how you don't protect the ball if you're Kamar Jordan is beyond me. Even even if he catches it, Ryan, and doesn't move up the field, hindsight being 20-20. He caught the ball. He was in an open spot in the field, and then he moved toward the traffic.
0: Yeah, you have to imagine the mentality at that point is, you know, you're so close to the end zone. You get in the end zone here. You're really putting the game away almost at this point, and you're on your way to winning a Grey Cup here. Um, So Kamara Jordan, he's going to fight for those extra yards. Obviously, it was the bad idea in the end because he doesn't protect the football, but putting yourself in that mentality, would you not probably be doing the same thing with the championship on the line, fighting for every single yard you can? Yeah, well, me being not a football player, I probably would. I would have probably tripped and fell and injured myself long before I got to the seven-yard line if I was a football player. But, but
1: but I think, Ryan, common sense has to prevail a little bit. Doesn't it? Yes. And playing safe in, in, in a game of that magnitude also has to, you know, come from somewhere, doesn't it?
0: Right. And, and, and I'm not going in, you know, defending Kamara Jordan, saying, oh, you know, like, like he he messed up, right? Right. And there were several plays in this game where Calgary, despite playing good all night long, messed up.
1: I think it's a point to, try to end up having 27. Yeah. 14 of them were on two plays.
0: Yeah, yeah. So a couple small blunders for Calgary, and they failed to get it done in the playoffs. Again, that's the narrative. You know, coming into this game, you and I were talking about kind of, I think, who we were, uh, maybe who we were cheering for or who we thought was going to win this game. And I said, I wanted to see Calgary come out and as much as I wanted a close football game, I wanted to see Calgary come out and dominate so that we could stop every single season, whenever we talk about the Stampeders having the only narrative every time they win a game in the regular season, yeah, but wait till the playoffs. I wanted to see Calgary get it done, I thought they were going to, and for the majority of the night, they played an absolute perfect football game, but a couple of blunders, and now they lose in the playoffs again.
1: It makes me wonder, man.
0: Well, the Sorry, just to cut you off there. The craziest stat of them all in this, Calgary had the ball for 37 minutes.
1: Yeah, but they played a lot of slice and dice, 10 yards, 5 yards, 4 yards. Toronto had the same amount of success. They just came in big chunk plays. Right. Toronto had a lot of chunk plays of 20-plus. That's not going to help you write off the time, right? If you had a if you had a twelve play eighty two yard drive, taking six minutes and forty five seconds off, let's just say, it's effective. But when you give up a one play eighty six yard drive, taking up twelve seconds, well, I I would argue that that's pretty darn effective
0: too. No, oh, for sure. So it's and just... that's why we saw Calgary dominate the, the time of possession, right? It was probably a five or six minute Calgary drive, one pass, Ricky Ray to Devere Posey, a hundred yards down the field, Calgary takes over again, goes for another six minute drive, or something of that matter. Um, and that's how you see the time being eaten off the clock. Cal- Toronto, in the end, only needed 23 minutes with the ball to go and win the Great Cup. Here's the, here's the thing too. What concentration by Posey to bring that pass down? Devere Posey had himself a game, ends up being the Grey Cup MVP, uh, and may have one of the most dominant Grey Cup performances. Like, we talk about Grey Cup MVPs every year, right? Uh, Who gets the award? And a lot of times it goes to the winning quarterback. But 175 yards and a touchdown, including the longest touchdown in Grey Cup history, uh... Longest touchdown catch, I believe, right? Yep. Yeah, because uh, Cassius Vaughn just broke that with a 108-yard fumble return later in the game, if it was you know, just any play. But Devere Posey had a monster game, and he stepped up big time in the Grey Cup, like he had done in a lot of key wins for Toronto this season. For me, it, it boils down to
1: this. Toronto found a way to stay in the game. Toronto didn't make many mistakes as far as turning over the, the football. In fact, they did not turn the football over yesterday. And if you don't turn the football over in a Canadian football league game, especially you know given the
0: weather conditions and all that, you will give yourself a chance. And to think Calgary didn't turn the ball over once until that fumble return for a touchdown and that game sealing interception—it's just quite,
1: it's quite remarkable. And I think, I think Ryan, it speaks to both quarterbacks and the poise that they have on the biggest stage. Yep. To I not turn the you. ball over.
0: Ricky Ray goes out and wins his fourth Grey Cup, the CFL record for a starting quarterback. He's 4-1. He's 4-1. As a Uh, starter. As a starter. Most Grey Cup wins by a starting CFL quarterback in the history of the league. Has a great game himself. Leads that late drive there. And they go on to win a storybook season. Go on to win the Grey Cup. Is this it for Ricky Ray? Is the question on everyone's mind. What's your take on it? I know what I would do versus what I think
1: will happen, and they're two different things. And what are, and in what sense? If I'm Ricky Ray, I'm 38 years old. One fourth grade cups, I tied or even passed some CFL legends in that regard with my fourth grade cop. I'm 38. My body's sore, right? Yeah. It doesn't heal as much as it used to or as fast as it used to. No no disrespect to Ricky Ray. You know, it's you've had a great time. You know, you watch out of the game. Not many players can watch out of the game and say they walked out on their own terms. And on top. On the flip side I see thirty eight year old Ricky Ray going. This is fun. <laughs> I have a coach that builds an offense that suits me. And, hey, I'm having fun like a 20-something-year-old. Sure, I get the bumps and bruises that are a little bit harder to recover from at my age. But this is all about fun for me. Right. So, it, for me, it all depends on one side of the argument and, and how Ricky Ray sees it. If it was me, and I'm Ricky Ray... That was my last CFL game.
0: Yeah, and I tend to agree with you. If I were Ricky Ray, I would retire and go out on top like this. You never want to retire, you know, especially when you're playing as good as Ricky Ray did this year. He was an MOP candidate, uh, the Eastern nominee for it. He had an outstanding season. Caps it off with a Grey Cup. You're playing some of the best football of your career at this point. Why would you want to go out at that point? Well, you know, how long are you going to be able to continue playing is the question. And I'm not talking about, oh, he's too old to produce on the field. It's how many more hits can you take before you have to leave the game the way Anthony Calvillo did, which is not on top, not with a great cup win, but being forced out of the game due to injury. And I don't think that's the way anybody wants to go out of their career as a professional football player is forced to due to injury. So you have to weigh that, right? Is Okay. When's the time to hang it up How, or am I still having so much fun to keep on playing? When you've won the gray cup, I mean there's no higher, no better way you can go out than that, right? So right. I Especially I, four times like Ridley Ray's done. Exactly. I think it makes sense to hang it up at this point. It's his decision. I'm interested to see where he stands on that. We know Henry Burris won the Grey Cup last year. He went on to retire. Does Ricky Ray follow the same suit? And then as I jokingly pointed out on Twitter yesterday, now all of a sudden then we have this trend. 2016 Grey Cup, Burris wins, retires. 2017 Ray wins, retires. Clearly the only possible prediction for next season is that Darian Durant leads the Montreal Alouettes to a Grey Cup win in his final year.
1: Or Kevin Blunt leads the Riders.
0: Right. Or Travis Louie makes a return from injury for one one season.
1: I, I just think, Ryan, that ready Ray, for the sake of the Toronto Argonauts, needs to make the decision sooner rather than later.
0: Right. Just given the amount of quarterbacks that are out there. Yeah, because they don't have quarterback depth behind him. Cody Fajardo that had that one-yard run against Saskatchewan to put them into the Grey Cup. But in terms of being a starting quarterback, he's not there, in my opinion. Jeff Matthews is not either. If this is it for Ray, Toronto needs a backup plan or needs a starting plan for next year. Um, And even if he comes back for another year, they darn well better go out and get a backup plan. Because the offensive line in Toronto did a heck of a job all year this year, mm. keeping Ray upright. He only missed one game, mm. but all it takes is one hit to your quarterback and how different would the narrative have been this year if Ricky Ray missed time due to injury?
1: I wonder if they did the play out of Ottawa's playbook.
0: In terms of bringing in a quality, uh, bringing in kind of a 1B and integrating him into 1A like they did with Trevor Harris?
1: Yep. And the guy
0: I'm thinking of is James Frank one. Could be. And that's something uh, we'll talk a little more about. James, We'll probably talk a lot about James Franklin in the coming weeks on this podcast as we get into what teams should uh, do and kind of team-by-team coverage heading into free agency. The loss here for Calgary in the Grey Cup, Mike, I I put this question to you. I put it out on Twitter as well Mm -hmm. yesterday. How do you fix a team that has such great success all year long and just can't get it done in the playoffs? and comes just short time after time again, do you stay the course and it has to work itself naturally out eventually, or do you risk all of a sudden hindering that regular season success by kind of making changes in order to make that Grey Cup victory?
1: Uh, I'm not sure what the easy answer to that is, Ryan. I don't know I- either. I looked at this, to be really honest with you, as, and I know you disagreed with me at the time, and you probably still do.
0: I tend to do that.
1: The window <sighs> for Calgary to get to the Grey top as the heavy, 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 heavy favorite in the West I think that window is closing
0: slightly. No, and I actually do agree with you on that because we're gonna see next year a Saskatchewan team that you know picks up off of what where they left off this year and only gets better. Yep. Edmonton's gonna be good next year. The Bombers have things going well in Winnipeg. Um, BC the West,
1: the West BC State. could have a
0: strong bounce back year next year. I don't think we see Calgary dominate the CFL. Quite, likely, quite like they did for so many years, but I still see them being a top-tier team in the CFL.
1: I'll say this. Calgary's chances of going to the Great Cup through the West got exponentially tougher given, as you said, the Saskatchewan, the Edmonton, the Winnipeg, the B.C., I don't think there's a weak team as currently constructed in the West. Free agency could change that, of course. You know, if the Eastern team did it on some of the top players and, and how that changes everything. If the CFL were to move to one division, which I don't see given the latest Halifax rev- revelation
0: that happening, to
1: be honest with you.
0: Right, and I want to talk about that in a little bit, too, so keep that in mind. Um, Calgary's Kate
1: walked to the Great Cup and seemingly Kate walked to first place in the West. I think those days are over. And, yeah, that's, and he, the, that's the unfortunate part of not winning the Great Cup.
0: Well, and they,
1: a, Not to say that they won't get there, that they won't, you know. Right. But I'll tell you what, now they got stiff competition. Well, and the
0: really interesting thing to me is. You know, someone pointed this out yesterday, and I thought about it a lot myself as well. Throwback to, like, Calgary won the Grey Cup in 2014 over Hamilton. They very nearly lost that one due to a Brandon Banks, either a punt or a kickoff return. Did he take that one all the way to the end zone before it was called back? Which one? Brandon Banks in the 2014 Grey Cup. Yep. And then it was brought back by a holding call. Calgary very nearly came close to three heartbreaking Grey Cup losses in Four seasons, which is unbelievable, Mike.
1: Do you chalk that up to bad luck or bad circumstances or not playing a meaningful game in so long?
0: I, I don't know what to chalk it up to because this is a team clearly built for success. Uh, they show it time and time again throughout the regular season. They dominate the West final most years when they're in it, and then they get to the Grey Cup, and like this, this week, Like, yesterday's game, because we're recording this Monday night, uh, so the Grey Cup game on Sunday, for the majority of the game, they couldn't have played much better. It's just a couple unfortunate mistakes led them to their loss. So, that's why, you know, if you want to go out and say, yeah, they need to blow things up in Calgary, I don't see it, because they came oh so close the last two years to going on to win the Grey Cup. Yes, people, everyone talks about the fact that they were favorites going into those games, and then it's looked like, oh, they completely blew this. They were the favorites. They never should have lost these games. Coming into this year's Grey Cup, I don't know if we could have really thought of Calgary as a huge favorite over Toronto. I think it was a very even matchup coming in. They had the better record, but it was a very even matchup. And I look at this more so that, oh, Calgary completely blew it. I look at it, they that oh, they came oh so close to winning a close matchup.
1: On the flip side, this is a team that is fragile in confidence now, presumably in big football games.
0: Oh, you have to imagine it was going through their head the entire game as they it was unfolding. You know, do you
1: have, do, do you have to make exponential changes for that reason alone?
0: I don't know. I, I, I don't know if things need to change or what needs to change in Calgary. Like, what would you do to remedy this for the Stampeders?
1: I don't know. I, I, I think I take a hard look at everything. And for me being from a distance, I think it would be horribly unfair for me to suggest that they have to blow things up. But I think John not needs to take a long, hard look uh, sure we've had regular season to test, but what is preventing us in the biggest game of the year to make the mistakes that we made and I don't I, I believe that they have to make personnel changes somewhere just because this team is so fragile now so you bring the same team back they go all the way to the great cup next year and the same thing happens again not to say that it will, but there's always going to be that stigma associated with this calgary Stampede or football team. Oh, they can't get it done in the biggest game. Until they, they get Mitchell, it done
0: repeatedly.
1: You know, Bowley I Mitchell gotten us here, but we, you know, you were saying to me how, I think it was you anyway, but said, you know, the bomb has let us down now two years in a row. They have great seasons, great. I can't even imagine what they're thinking in Calgary. Right. I, I was just changing the text message with uh, with a family member yesterday in, in Calgary after the football game. And all he goes to tell me is, it is what it is. So what do I read into that? Maybe they expected it, or maybe they're so used to being let down in a game like this, but it's it's hard to get excited.
0: Well, I think that this year there were particularly a lot more questions going into this game. Uh, last year, let's be real, the entire expectation going in Rightfully so, to an extent, from the city of Calgary was probably okay. Within you know the next three hours, we'll be Grey Cup champions mm-hmm. because it was a David versus Goliath story. Yep. Calgary yep. versus Ottawa last year. After that defeat last year, after the way the regular season finished for Calgary this year, after the way Toronto's played down the stretch, I don't think that perception was there. You will have the people that say Calgary's going to go out and dominate this game. Yep. You would have the people that you know truly believed in their team. But you can't tell me there was not an ounce of doubt, you know, in all of our minds that right. they weren't going to be able to pull this out.
1: It's like, but how, how do you go from having last year such a good offense? This year you had such a good defense. And, and, and you still don't win. Like That, 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 that to me, is really mystifying. Maybe it's it's the adversity standpoint. You know, they play a sub-500 and a 500 team the last two years. They've been through so much adversity. We go in there, loosey-droosey, have nothing to lose. Calgary has basically everything to lose because all they seem to do is win, except for the biggest game. I'm beginning to wonder if momentum-wise favors the underdog, particularly... You know, from Toronto and Ottawa standpoint, oh, we've been through so much. For Toronto, the ownership for Ottawa was, oh, we're the new franchise. We're the expansion project, you know, right? Right. You can't tell me that that doesn't bring a team together, closer together in the long run, despite squeaking into the playoff, despite not deserving to host home playoff games. What can they say in Calgary? Oh, we keep winning. We keep winning. Sure, they had that little bit of adversity right before the last final that they lost three straight. But, Ryan, let's look at this. Calgary lost four of their last five games. And that one win that they had was against Ottawa, where they had a gift of a P.I. call.
0: Against Hamilton, you mean?
1: Against Hamilton. So we could be looking at a team that lost five of their last six. Yeah, And and six in a row. So there's something about Calgary, and I don't know what it is, that happens when the weather gets cold. And you'd think it'd be opposite. Calgary's in that climate where it's absolutely cold weather. Right. And it would favor them because they live in the mountains and they get snow games in late October for crying out loud. Something is not right. I, I don't know what it is, and I don't want to say, all oh, the analytics say that it, it could turn, and but the Western will be dominance. The fact of the matter is, Ryan, a best-of-five series in that Grey Cup,
0: Calgary wins. A one-off, it's anybody's game. And that's the beauty of the CFL. And, you know, I don't want to pin this Grey Cup loss on Kamar Jordan and Tommy not. Campbell. Absolutely on Bowie by Mitchell for that one pass. You know, we talk about those three or four plays. While I've gone on for this entire podcast, talking about how they played a near-perfect game, the major issue for them, they didn't put Toronto away when they had them in the first half, right? And that was the big issue, is they held Toronto to throw that one play aside, 23 yards of offense. They were only leading 17-8 at the end of the first half there. And then what does Toronto do? First drive of the second half, they come out and they score a touchdown and they make things interesting.
1: Yeah, and here's the thing, Ryan. It is amazing what a 100-yard play like that in the first half does for the mindset of a team. And I can tell you, all things aren't going very well. You know, we're kind of getting frustrated, right? Right. All of a sudden, they see a play like that and it's like, Hey, we did a chance. Look at this, right? It's right. We're in the game. We made a big play. We got a drive together. Even in the case of it, you know, we're not out of it if we force the turnover. <gasps> we forced the turnover, right? And, it, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, you know what? The offense saw that the defense tied it. They were able to execute on the two-point the inversion there to tie it. Now the offense did mojo from a wonderful defensive drive. And I'll tell you what, in a game like that, Ricky Ray may have had the worst game of his career. I'm not saying he did. But Ricky Ray is one of those quarterbacks that can have the worst game of his career. But I'll tell you what, if you give the ball to Ricky Ray in a tie game or down by one with a chance to win,
0: that's a scary thing. Well, and is it, and isn't it kind of fitting that The quarterback, who now has the CFL record, I think he broke it last week,
1: for Mm -hmm. most
0: late-game, game-winning touchdown drives in the CFL, goes and marches the team down the field. They don't get into the end zone late, but they get the field goal to go ahead, and that ends up winning them the football game.
1: To me, Ryan, it's remarkable. And you know what? Knowing what I've seen out of Rookie Ray since the game yesterday and all the interviews and stuff, I could not be happier for him.
0: Me either. I'm so happy for him. The, the Ray. die is
1: going on on the field two hours after the game when he could be celebrating with his with his team. He's in full gear, in j- taking care of absolutely every interview request. Yeah. It would have been so easy to think. You know what? I'm done with this interview stuff. I want to go celebrate with my my team. Here he is. I just saw him on TV, 10, 15 minutes ago, interview on uh, one of the TV shows here in Canada, Tim and Sid, that uh, speaks volumes to a character, and character of an individual football player like Ricky Ray
0: gets a big two thumbs up when they win a great cup. For sure. One of the class acts of the CFL. It, it, it is hard. Like, who really dislikes Ricky Ray? Let's be honest. hmm is there anyone out there? If so, I want to meet you and I want to know what's wrong with you. No, I I get angry when Richie Ray beats the Bombers. Yeah. Okay? Well, because we all remember how accurate he, he is every time he plays the Bombers, right? Right. But at the
1: end of the day, it's not a, I hate Richie Ray, I think he's a bad quarterback because he just beat the Bombers. No. In every fan there's a general respect
0: and an admiration for what Ricky Reed does. And there's some of those players in the league, and I think there's a lot of them out there, that, yeah, are those class acts. And another one of them that I'm so happy for that comes out as a Grey Cup champion here, Mike, mm-hmm. SJ Green. Uh-huh. For the Toronto Argonauts. Tor, or Blue is ACL, I think it was last year, right? In training camp early, or yep. first game of the year, whatever it was, out the entire season gets traded from Montreal for a sixth-round pick this year to Mm -hmm. Toronto, has an outstanding season, an incredible comeback season for him, and comes out a Grey Cup champion. S.J. Green is one of those class acts as well, uh, and props to him for the Grey Cup victory, as well as the rest of the Toronto Argonauts organization.
1: He had a great catch yesterday.
0: He did. He really did.
1: Oh, he I may have gotten interfered on one, which wasn't a pass interference call, which I'm still absolutely mystified. wasn't a PI call, but tell you what, and this is no disrespect to Calgary, because I think had they won, we would have been happy for certain individuals too. You know, there's a feel good story on every team when they win a championship. Matt Black, when he made that pit six, or not the pit six, sorry, the pit to steal the Great
0: Cup. Well, it might have gone for a pick six if uh, you know his right. entire team didn't storm the field in celebration and cause an illegal participation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, what I'm trying to say is the guy's been with the Argos for 10 years. He's been through the ups and downs. They cut him. Gabriel gets hurt. They bring him back two weeks later. He just the biggest pit season-saving pit of the Ardo season. Like, how can you not cheer for
0: that? I lot to too. Like, and just to sum it all up, can you at all script a more fitting finish to the CFL season? <sighs> My the sled to the fantastic halftime show, to the snow, to the underdog story of the Toronto Argonauts this year, Ricky Ray setting the CFL record for most Grey Cup wins by a starting quarterback. We get a get- late finish. We have the I'll- whole storyline of can Calgary do it in the playoffs? Uh-huh. And the same thing happens again. This game had everything to finish it off that I think kind of sums up this year in the CFL.
1: I'm getting a very warm, fuzzy feeling about this game. <laughs> It was so Canadian.
0: It was so great, eh?
1: It, it, you know, <laughs> and it was one of those things outside of the football game, Ryan, that really made me proud to be Canadian yesterday. Was seeing that display on the football field, the game, the fans, the prime minister, the snow. Unfortunately, the snow caused the flyover to be canceled. Always a great cup tradition. But it was very Canadian. In more ways than one. And, and how, how fitting that it happened in the nation's capital, Ottawa, the resurgence of the Red Blats. That's a feel-good story, too. Let's not kid ourselves. I just hope that Montreal is able to find their way back to what they used to be, Toronto Jets fans in the stands, Halifax gets that tenth team or the Atlantic, and then we can say everybody had a part in the CFL, and it's just great.
0: It's, you know, Mike, we came into this podcast today planning to wrap up the Grey Cup and then kind of review the season overall as a whole. We've gone on for basically an hour here talking about, it started off with kind of, you know, an an overall conversation, and then talking about the Grey Cup, and we've had a lot of great talk about that. It almost seems fitting to end this show on that, come back again next week with our next week's show, and do kind of a season review off-season preview next week. How does that sound to you?
1: Yeah, that sounds a whole lot better. That sounds great. I mean, a game like yesterday deserves its kind of standalone alone moment.
0: Absolutely, and that's what we're going to give it. So we're going to end it off here. Just to sum it all up, what a great season of CFL football. Yeah. It has been a blast for the past 23 weeks, throwing preseason, training camp, everything before that. Such great football out on the field, such great interactions with everyone in the CFL community. You saw it from everyone who was at the Grey Cup. You know, they had the Grey Cup tweet up where everyone met each other, had a great time, celebrated this great game together. It has been a blast of a CFL season to watch, to interact with everyone, to talk about, to do this podcast about. So much fun and such a great way to end it off with this Grey Cup game. That uh, it to me, it ended off as one of them we're going to talk about for a long time.
1: You know what, the great cups of the eighties with the snow. You remember the eighties, early nineties had their fair share of great cups that involved snow.
0: Oh yeah, I remember the eighties as if you know I wasn't born then, Mike.
1: Right, but there was a <laughs> lot of great cups that you know our parents and our family and everybody talks about. But we don't even know about. I would dare say that we had one of those closets of our lifetime yesterday. For sure. One that we'll won't be able to tell our kids about one day. Absolutely. November twenty sixth, 26, 2007, 2017 at TD Place Stadium in Ottawa,
0: Ontario. I remember it like it was yesterday.
1: Because it was yesterday. Because <laughs> it was yesterday when we
0: recorded this. <laughs> um yeah that's that's a great way to sum it up it's one to remember it's been a season to remember um we have mentioned this a couple weeks in a row here normally this is the point where we'd say goodbye for the winter that's what we've done in the past you know great cup ended we wrap up the season and then we see you again in june next year that's not happening we're here all winter long because it's such so much fun to talk cfl football and even when there's no games to talk about on the field we can make up endless storylines all off season long and talk nonsense, and uh, we'll have a good time doing it. So
1: you know what? And now we can get into ton of the stuff that we
0: we kept pushing. You spent
1: right? a lot of time on or not, and really kind of nitpick, if you will, what happened right. during the season. But we didn't have time for. When we talked about four games a week,
0: and there is going to be uh, a a lot of. Interesting off-season talk coming up from us. So we'll be back again next week. We'll be wrapping up the CFL season as a whole. Again, we talked about Grey Cup here today and wrapped that up. We'll go ahead into kind of what were the major storylines of the 2017 CFL season and kind of what are the questions heading into free agency on kind of an overall basis. That's the plan for next week. And then we're looking at we got a couple months till free agency in February. We'll be taking a look into kind of a team by team look of what are the questions for this team what does this team needs to does each team need to do in free agency to get themselves ready for next year and kind of how did things play out and where do things go from here so look forward to that all winter long as we continue to talk about the CFL going forward anything else to close us off Mike
1: it was a great uh, it was a great uh, game yesterday the wrap- up a great season and I, I keep saying that the great cup is a good game every year and well we won't be able to top it I can't wait to see what Randy and Brozy has up his sleeve this offseason and make the CFO even better than it already is
0: absolutely we'll talk about that all to come here yet One last time, thank you to everyone who's followed us throughout the CFL season, talked with us, chatted football with us, all of our guests we've had on so far this year. Many more to come in the offseason, hopefully to be determined when and who that is. But a lot to come, a lot of coverage from us to come here. And to finally wrap it all up, congratulations to the Toronto Argonauts, the 2017 Grey Cup champions.
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you what I... uh... I, I had serious thoughts as to whether we would be saying Toronto Ardenauts, great cup champions, going into yesterday. But it was a great football game, and congratulations to the Argos! Congratulations to Anthony Toomes to a Bison product uh, from the University of Manitoba on the Ardles.
0: For sure. Great way to wrap it up, Mike. That's all we're doing here today. Uh, We'll be back again next week to wrap up the entire CFL season. Congrats to the Toronto Argonauts. Hashtag is it June yet? CFL football drought starts now, Um, but plenty of talk to come. Have a great week, everyone. We'll talk to you again next week. This has been the Canadian Football Countdown. For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop. Have a wonderful week and take care. Bye. Bye.